little things. You know, God cares about little things and big things in our lives. He cares about us. Uh, I'm thankful for the Lord. But Obadiah, uh, like I said, only one chapter. So we're going to start in verse 1. Uh, and we're going to look at some things uh, in this book. It says this in verse 1. Uh, the vision of Obadiah, thus saith the Lord God concerning Edom. We have heard a rumor from the Lord. And an ambassador is sent among the heathen. Arise ye and let us up against her in battle. Behold, I have made thee small among the heathen. Thou art greatly despised. The pride of thine heart hath deceived thee, thou that dwellest in the clefts of the rock, whose habitation is high, saith in his heart, Who shall bring me down to the ground? Though thou exalt thyself as an eagle, uh, and thou shalt... And now set thy nest among the stars, thence will I bring thee down, thus saith the Lord. If these come to thee, if robbers by night, how art thou cut off? Uh, would they not have stolen till they had enough? If the grape gatherers came to thee, would they not leave some grapes? Uh, how are the things of Esau searched out? How are his hidden things sawn up? All the men of thy confederacy have brought thee even to the border, the men that were at peace with thee have deceived thee and prevailed against thee they that eat thy bread have laid a wound under thee and there is none understanding in him last verse uh, shall i not in that day saith the lord even destroy the wise out of edom wise men out of edom and understanding out of the mount of esau let us pray dear heavenly father we thank you for your word today lord i thank you for each one that's here lord i pray that you'd help me lord help us to understand lord we don't get in some of these books very often in this part of the bible but Lord, I ask that you'd make it come alive today. Help to apply it to our lives. Lord, if there's any loss today, I pray that they'd come to know you. Any backslider would find healing. And Lord, if you point something out in our lives today, uh, if the Holy Spirit touches us, Lord, I pray uh, that we would make things right. Lord, we love you today. And in Jesus' name we pray. And amen. amen. Obadiah, a very short book, like I said, just one chapter, uh, very, and we don't know much about him. We know his name. We know there's a handful of Obadiahs in the Old Testament. We don't know which one. He doesn't tell us his father. He doesn't give us much uh, even to put a date on it. It's hard to even do that. Not a lot of details, uh, but he was given this one task. He was given a message, a prophecy, uh, and, and in verse 1 it says, Thus saith the Lord God concerning Edom. Now this was a nation it was one of Israel or one of Judah's neighbors. Uh, so if you remember in the Old Testament uh, you remember Abraham right? Remember Isaac Isaac has twins, Jacob and Esau, uh, and, uh, and the Edomites were the descendants of Esau. So look at how close they were uh, to being part of the children of God. Basically brothers, that's what between Jacob and Esau, uh, uh, that close. Uh, but remember, if we look at that story real quick, uh, the Lord told Rebecca she was going to have twins. And she said that there would be two nations inside of her and that the older, which was Esau, would end up serving the younger. That's Jacob. Uh, and so remember, there's a struggle between them. There's a struggle in the womb. There's a struggle outside the womb between them. Uh, and then in Genesis 25, the important thing that happens uh, Esau's a hunter. He's an outdoorsman. He's uh, always outside. He comes in tired and hungry, probably because he wasn't able to uh, get anything that day. The hunt uh, didn't work out. It's hot. He's hungry. He sells his birthright uh, for a bowl of lentils or a bowl of soup, basically, to Jacob. And that birthright 
was more than just an inheritance. It was more than just money. He was also going to be the spiritual leader. He was the oldest son of Isaac. He would have been naturally the spiritual leader, but he was not interested in it at all. In fact, the Bible said that he despised his birthright. He despised, he did not want to be the spiritual leader. And uh, I I preached about this actually at the beginning of the year, this passage. uh, And you think about what happened. Uh, God had promised Abraham and Isaac a great nation, right? And from their descendants, multitudes of people that couldn't be numbered. And just with a few words, because his belly was hungry, Esau traded all of those blessings, all of that favor from God, just so he could have a meal that day. He could have been part of the great nation. He could have been part of the lineage of the Messiah, Jesus Christ, to come. But all he did, uh, all he wanted was his temporary needs filled. And God did not honor that. God did. And that's why God said he's going to serve. He is not going to be the next one. That's why uh, he is. What do we. He's the God of Abraham. Right. The God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He could have been that God of Abraham, Isaac and Esau. But Esau didn't want it. Okay, so the Edomites are the descendants of Esau. Uh, So again, Esau is choosing this present, temporary, earthly things. That's what he wants satisfied. He wants his own desires met. And then at the expense of everything future, everything spiritual, everything eternal. Do you know people like that? Do you know people that they want to focus on the here and now? Uh, what do I need right now? What will make me happy right now? What are my desires right now? And I'll forget about the things of God. I'll forget about spiritual things or the future or anything like that. Well, you know what happened afterward? Jacob, whose name means trickster, supplanter, uh, he lies, uh, he dresses in fur, he acts like he is Esau one day, uh, and acts like he had caught this uh, venison, uh, but it was all a lie, it was all a trick to get his father's blessing, and one thing that's clear from that story, you do not need to sin to get blessings from God. In fact, all that trickery from Jacob that day, he ended up paying for that in the years to come. Uh, His future father-in-law tricked him multiple times uh, over it, Uh, but he learned. So you think about that. Jacob later on, he repented and showed humility and started obeying God and wanted to cling close to God and wrestle and be with God uh, and not let go. And that's what God loves. He loves repentance, right? He loves to show mercy. He loves when we are humble and obedient, but he hates worldliness. That was Esau. Esau wanted worldliness. He wanted what he wanted, and he neglected the spiritual things. So here's the question. What happens to a group like Esau over time? What happens when generation after generation of someone who who wants to just take care of the here and now and the physical and forget about the spiritual, forget about God? What happens when generation after generation happens? That's the Edomites. This is what happens. And what what did God say? God didn't like what was going on. Look at verse 3. This is one of the key verses of the whole book. The pride of thine heart uh, hath deceived thee. Thou that dwellest in the clefts of the rock, whose habitation is high, thus saith in his heart, who shall bring me down to the ground? The Lord is angry with Edom because of the pride of thine heart. 
What happens when you despise spiritual things? What happens when you only want to take care of your own needs and your own self? You will become prideful. And that's what they did. They became prideful. That's what we see right here. Uh, they pushed aside and all they did was take uh, care of what comes naturally. And here's the thing. Pride comes naturally. You don't have to work to be prideful. It will come. And in fact, what's our society today? Our society uh, pushes it. They say it's a good trait. You need to take care of yourself. You need to uplift yourself. You need to make yourself the center of everything. Isn't that what we hear over and over again? Isn't that you go to the self-help aisle of a bookstore or online with your Kindle and you look up all these books and you start reading them? What are they going to say? You take care of you. That leads to pride. That's what happens. That's what had happened with, uh, with Esau's bunch, the Edomites. But don't forget, the first sin didn't happen in the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 3. The first sin happened in heaven with the devil. His name was Lucifer, right? He was son of the morning. He was one of the, uh, the worship leaders, basically. He was one of, the, uh, one of the more powerful angels God had created, beautiful and everything else. What did he want? He wanted to lift his throne above God's and above everything God had created. He wanted the worship above God. Why is that? Because he was filled with pride. That's the first sin. Was the devil, that's pride. The book of Proverbs says this, 8.13, uh, uh, the Lord hates pride and arrogancy. 11, Proverbs 11.2, when pride cometh, then cometh shame. Uh, 13.10, what does pride bring? Contention, strife. Uh, you know, a lot of these arguments and problems start with pride. Uh, 14.3, the foolish talk pridefully. If you're talking pridefully, God says you're foolish. And then the most famous one is 1618. Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a, before a fall. The Lord can't stand pride. It's throughout the Bible. He can't stand it. But here's the thing with the Edomites. It wasn't them speaking prideful words. Let's look at it again. What's he say? Verse 3. The pride of thine heart. Then later on in the verse, thus saith in his heart, who shall bring me to the ground? On the outside, you might not have noticed the pride that was going on, but the Lord sees the heart. And in the Old Testament, the heart and the mind, they go together in the Bible, uh, the heart and mind. He, can, he knows the thoughts and the intents of our minds and our hearts. And God hates it. He said, I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. And it was that, who shall bring me to the ground? Who's going to overtake us? Who's going to get rid of us? And we see a little hint about the Edomites. Thou that dwellest in the clefts of the rock, whose habitation is high. See, they had, where they were at, just south of Judah. And they were in this kind of mountainous area. And the only way to really get to it was you had to go down this narrow pass to come into the valley to kind of get where they were at and they were still kind of up high so it was so narrow they said you couldn't have had two horses side by side you had to go single file basically so you think about that on the way to go attack them the military would have to funnel down into a single file line as they're going downhill and all the Edomites had to do was a handful of them get rocks and just throw it down on them right that's it so time after time, people would try to take them, and just a dozen of them could ward off an entire army. So what happened? They started getting prideful, right? 
That's what he's saying. In your heart, uh, you're up high. You've got this. Uh, you've got these mountains and the cliff and everything else. You you're able to uh, to ward everybody off. And that pride in thine heart. Who shall bring me to the ground? Who's going to stop us? Who's going to take us out? That pride filled their life. So it was their natural defense. Who shall bring me to the ground? But the Lord's sending them a message. What's he say? The pride of thine heart hath deceived thee. You know what pride brings? Deception. Every time. They were deceived. Their mind was tricked. They thought uh, it was uh, uh, that high hill, the cliff, everything was leading them astray. uh, Because they, they were thinking, surely there's nobody that can make it through. And then we didn't read this, but in the later verses, verse 11, when Judah, their brother, remember Judah was being attacked, they just stood by and watched as it's being attacked. Verse 12, they rejoiced when Judah fell. Verse 13, when Jerusalem was invaded, the Edomites even snuck in and started spoiling some stuff. And then verse 14, there they are at kind of the king's highway is right in their area too that connects the east to the west to Africa. It went, goes right through. And when the children of Israel trying to escape, some of the ones that could escape the invaders, they stopped them and sent them back. Right back into the hands of the enemy. These are the same Edomites. Remember when the children of Israel are coming out and they're going to go into the promised land, uh, the easiest way would have been right through the Edomite territory. And they said, no, we won't let you. You've got to go around. This is the pride doing all of this. The pride led them to act this way. The children of Israel were the brothers, but they hated them. They enjoyed their pain, they, but they forgot that Judah was God's chosen people. That's what they forgot. They should have went back to the the beginning and realized, hey, the reason Judah is around and the reason Judah is being blessed is because God chose them over us. You know why he did that? Because, uh, you know, our father, grandfather, great grandfather, however many generations past decided he wanted the here and now instead of the spiritual things. That's what happened. Does that make sense? So what happens if they are going to go against God's chosen people knowing that, then they're going against God himself. That's what they're doing. They're saying, we're not afraid of God. If you're not afraid of God's people, you're not afraid of the God of God's people. That's how prideful they were getting in their heart. And what are they saying? Who shall bring me to the ground? Who's going to bring us down? Let's look at verse 4. Though thou exalt thyself as an eagle, and though thou hast set thy nest among the stars, thence will I bring thee down, saith the Lord. You know what the Lord is saying basically in this verse and in some of the later verses throughout this chapter in this book? He's saying, you want to know who's going to bring you to the ground? I will. I will. I will. You think, uh, and, and here's how ridiculous it is. If we stood back and thought about it, yes, you're in this uh, mountain pass, this canyon and everything else, and God's made it. Uh, God designed that canyon. He, he carved it into the ground. He made it the way it is. He made it so you could only go single file. He did all of these things. God created the very thing that you're trusting in, yet you're seeing it's yourself. That's what pride does. God says, I I created that natural defense. I've given you blessings that you don't deserve. God God could have eliminated Esau right then and there. But instead, he said, I'm going to bless both of you. Right? 
In, he, in the book of uh, Hebrews chapter 11, by faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning the things to come. Both of them got a blessing. Not only one got the birthright, uh, that was Jacob, but both of them got a blessing from God. So here's what's going on. They're, uh, uh, the, instead of acknowledging it, instead of realizing what God has done for them, instead of helping their brother, they decide they're going to bring him down. And again, they're going against God himself. Verse 8 says, Shall I not in that day, saith the Lord, even destroy the wise men out of Edom and understanding out of the Mount of Esau? And here's the thing. This is what we could struggle with. You could say, now wait a second, Mike. They're acting in pride. And you just read a whole bunch of verses. And there's way more in the Bible that say that God hates the proud. And he will bring them down. He will destroy them. He'll abase them. He'll do all of these things. So how is Edom, how are we seeing them being blessed? How are we seeing them warding off armies in their pride when God said he hates pride? And here's what I want us to remember. Don't mistake the fact that God delays judgment for the fact that God will never judge. That's what this world is doing. See, God does not, when we sin against him, he does not open the ground and swallow us in or strike us down by lightning right that instant. He doesn't do that. Right? Right. None of us would be here, by the way. If he did, we've all sinned. He doesn't do that. He doesn't instantly bring death with sin. You go back to the garden. The second they ate of that uh, tree that they shouldn't have, they didn't fall over dead instantly. But death came in. Why? Because we are in a period. And listen, this world, this world is reserved for fire. It's reserved for judgment. The very world we're standing on. But just because... You see wicked prospering. Just because you see these different things happening doesn't mean that God's forgotten. It doesn't mean that God doesn't see it or hear it or know the the thoughts in their heart, in their mind. He does. God sees what's going on. He says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay, but it's not on, we want to do it quick. We want him to do things quicker. We want him to judge people really fast, right? That's what we want in our justice system, really fast uh, trials to where they're guilty, they're locked up, and it's over. But God doesn't work that way. He works on his timetable. But just because you're not seeing judgment right now, Just because Edom uh, was allowed to prosper for a while doesn't mean judgment was never coming. Because for the Edomites, we fast forward to today, they're gone. They're gone. They were attacked by the Babylonians and greatly uh, knocked down. And then finally the Romans eliminated them and they weren't a nation anymore. God's word is true. The promise was fulfilled. Right? Praise God for that. So then the problem is, you're thinking, Mike, I'm reading a book like this, maybe in my daily Bible reading. What does it mean for me? I'm not a Jew. (coughs) I'm not an Edomite. They're already gone. What's this have to do for us? Would we just skip over it? Why are we even touching a, a, a book like this in the Bible? But here's the thing. I think we can learn a couple things, even though we're not directly named. Number one, you can learn when you go against God's people, he will allow it for a while, but then eventually he'll knock out the problem. Amen? And here's the thing. You and I, 
have faced opposition, haven't we? Trying to serve God, trying to walk by faith. We've, uh, and we've wanted to say, God, will you just get rid of this problem, please? Will you get rid of that person? But God doesn't work on our timetable. Right. Amen? Amen? And guess what? If we're honest with ourselves, some of us were that person too. Yeah. The other side. Yeah. The one hindering the work of God. The one discouraging God's work. And aren't you glad he gave you a space for mercy and you repented, you turned, and instead of fighting against him, you're on his side. Yeah. That's, that's God. That's why Edom was allowed to go for so long. That's why if you go through the Old Testament, they pestered the children of Israel. They went against them. They fought against them. They made life hard for them over and over again. But God gave them a space to repent. But it wasn't an infinite period. Eventually, he cut it off and said, that's it. Judgment came and they're gone. He'll do the same thing for you and I. Whichever side we want to be on. You want to be for God? Yes, we're going to face opposition. When we're on Jesus' side, when we proclaim the truth, when we stand on God's word, we'll face opposition. But you let God take care of the other side. You show them love and mercy. That's what we do to our enemies. Why? Because you never know if they may turn and come on our side. God hasn't brought them down. He's giving them space to repent. We need to pray that they do But another thing we learn from this book is how dangerous pride is. Pride brings destruction. And like I said, there may be time that passes and it seems like nothing happens, but the Lord saw it all. Those Edomites, they only focused on themselves, their nation, themselves. And that's what happened. They neglected others. They took advantage of their brother. And then we have to ask ourselves, are we looking like that today? And yes, we uh, again, we don't have the exact same setup today. We're not brothers of Israel and different things like that. But pride can show itself in different ways. Amen? Amen. Pride can show up. And one way is I, I have seen it in my life is pride will make it to where you put yourself first. Yeah. I think that's one of the easy ones, right? So where I care more about myself than anybody else and here's another one here's a sneaky one i care more about what others think about me ooh, than what god thinks about me Mm. i want to look right i want to look a certain way what about god god knew what was in their mind pride you know what else it'll do it'll make us critical of other people because we can't be critical of ourselves, so we got to be critical of others. You'll hear me joke from some to t- time to time. I'll say, well, I look at myself, and we know that can't be the problem, so it must be somewhere else, right? But honestly, that's what it does with us. Because I am, uh, I don't know if you do this with yourself, I'm more patient and merciful with myself, but not with others. My goodness. Will you look at them? Will you listen to them? Do you see what they're not doing? See what I'm doing and see what they're not doing. Uh, uh, that's a problem. Because I, I, I have to remind myself, you go through the fruit of the Spirit, there's no critical thing in there. It's not a critical fruit of the Spirit. That's a problem in your life. If you're always bringing others down, that's a spiritual problem. We need to take care of it. Here's what else pride does. We start taking credit for things instead of giving credit to God. Right. 
right? That's what pride will bring. Look what I've built. Look what I've done. Look at these things. Me, my, I. That was the devil's problem. He had an eye problem. He kept saying, I, I, I. They're saying, hey, we've protected ourselves. We've fought off all these armies. No. God just gave him a good place defensively. But he took that, as soon as he took away that uh, hedge of protection for them, the enemy overran them too. It didn't matter. You know what else? Pride's deceitful. That's what we learn in here too. It's deceitful. It'll trick you. And here's the thing. You don't know. If you're fully deceived in something, you don't even know it. Everyone else can see it, but you can't see it. You know, I was reading uh, through the early chapters of Daniel, my Bible reading, uh, and Daniel chapter 5. Uh, remember the story, Belshazzar's having the feast. Uh, there in Babylon, the handwriting starts on the wall. You know, they're getting the cups and everything out of from that used to be in the temple. They're praising the gods of iron and metal and stone and everything else and wood. And they're having a good old time and uh, uh, partying it up. The handwriting starts on the wall. All of a sudden, Belshazzar's getting real scared, right? And they're wondering, who on earth is going to tell us? Nobody can read what these words are up on the wall. So then they bring along Daniel. And, and remember what they're telling Daniel. Uh, Daniel gives the interpretation and he says, now, I don't want you to make me a ruler because they're going to make him the highest ruler there. They're going to give him blessings and everything else. He says, I don't want that. And then he tells him it's the Lord uh, uh, that's that said your kingdom is numbered and it's pretty much over. And he said that you're going to be overthrown and you're done. And what do they do? They put the rope on him. They celebrate Daniel. They go back to partying. Right? That's because pride is deceitful. Yeah. They thought there's no way we're going to be overrun. They were being overrun and didn't even really realize it. Dried up the water, went underneath the walls, took them out while they're partying, while everything's fine. Right? That's because pride is deceitful. That destruction, you won't see it coming. It'll just cut you out. That's what happened to them. That's what happened. Romans 12, 3. For I say uh, through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God had dealt to every man the measure of faith. Here's how we prevent pride in our life. If it's creeping into your life, if you're noticing some of these signs or anything else, is you need to realize realistically who you really are. Who are we for real? We are sinners. We are saved by the grace of of God, right? We are nothing in his eyes. He doesn't need us. Uh, he doesn't need us to be successful. In fact, it is a privilege that we get to uh, that we get to serve the Lord in any capacity, right? Uh, you're thinking, well, Mike, uh, isn't it great? You get to stand up here and preach. Uh, you're really good at it. Blah, blah, blah. No, it is God that is helping me every step of the way. And by the way, he doesn't need me. If he wanted to, he could tell this whole world the gospel just like that. Right? He does not need us, but he chooses us. Right? In spite of ourselves, he calls us. He has a plan for our life. See, if we get a realistic, real view, then we think and we understand that there's no victory that's ever come from me. 
There's no good thing that's come from me. It's come from God. He has given me the grace. He's given me the strength. He's changed my life. He's given me the Holy Spirit. He's given me His Word. These are why I can do anything for Him. It's because of Him. And once we start to realize that, then we can turn around and start to realize instead of thanking myself or looking at myself as I'm the one who did it, I can turn to God and say, Thank you, Lord. Thank you for saving me. Because if you didn't, I'd be on the road to hell right now. Thank you for changing me. Thank you for giving me the Holy Spirit because I need Him. I go astray. He gets me back on track, right? He sets off the warning light, the buzzer. He says, hey, wait a second. Uh, uh, your word, it's a lamp under my feet and a guy light into my path. There's so many times I don't know what to do, yet I can turn to your word. I can, And you help me to get in this word. Uh, you help me to, uh, to understand and to do things. And I'll tell you what, we keep turning to him we keep and then as we realize how needy we really are then we'll turn to him he'll give us what we need and then we thank him that will take care of pride every time to realize that you and I can't take credit for anything today nothing this world hates that if you were to tell this world one of these self-made people say listen you just happen to get some blessings from God because God blesses everyone. Right? But the very air that you breathe is given by Him. Right? We believe that for others. Do we believe it for ourselves? And here's a test. How much are you thanking God? Because the more prideful you are, you won't be thanking God. It'll be in your heart. The same thing of the Edomites. Who's going to knock us off? Who's going to bring me down? Who's going to... Nobody can stop me. I'm too, I'm too strong. I've got too much will. I'm too smart. That's pride. And God says you've got to get rid of it. And here's the problem. We've got a lot of so-called preachers today out on the internet in different places. Not hard to find. And what are they doing? What are they telling you? They're acting like God revolves around you and he wants everything that you want and he wants you to be nothing but happy right and he wants all your dreams to be fulfilled have you heard this it's not hard to find it but i will tell you one thing that is dangerous because the bible does not back up god coming to this earth leaving all of heaven dying for my sin so that way i can still live for myself afterwards no And in fact, when I get up to heaven, and it won't be because of me, it'll be because of him, I'm not going to be sitting on the throne. I'm going to be taking the crown that he gave me that I don't deserve and casting it out of his feet and worshiping him for eternity. Why? Because he deserves it. And when we see heaven, and when we see who he really is, we will realize in an instant that any uh, ounce of pride that we ever had was the most foolish thing in the world because of who he really is. And that's why he's saying, eventually I'm getting rid of all the pride. It's going to be gone. So let's get rid of it now. And don't make these people online your heroes. Don't try to copy them. Why? Because these ones that are saying, hell, hey, this is what God wants and everything else, they're full of pride, and God will cut them down one day. He will. You know what we need? Men and women who will be humble, 
and we'll be honest and we'll trust God and we'll walk by faith. That's who we need. No matter what happens. In Sunday school, we talked about uh, Paul and the shipwreck. And what did he tell him? He said, God said, as long as we stay in this ship, we're going to make it. Even as the hurricane is coming through, even as the waves are hitting, even as we're having to throw stuff overboard, even though it looks like all hope is gone, he said, hey, God talked to me last night, and he said, I've got a job for you, Paul, and you're going to keep on going as long as you trust me and stay in that ship. And then finally, they get to land, and all of them were saved because they stayed in the ship. And I said, I hope that's what, I hope that's where my life is. It may not look pretty. At the end of the story, some of them swam to shore, but some of them are on boards and broken pieces. And I'll tell you what, I'm not here uh, to cross the finish line of this thing looking the best. I'm here to cross it, clinging to Jesus, clinging to his word, clinging to every promise. And this world may not think like we're much here, but I'm telling you what, we're going to trust God. We're going to put him first and we're going to get rid of all this pride because here's the thing. You and I are nothing. But he's made us something. (laughs) What did I sing earlier? We're a child of the king. Not because we deserve it. Because he chose to make us a joint heir with him. That's the Lord. And here's the thing. Humility is when we're truly consciousness of who we really are. Unworthy, helpless, and needy. But guess what? God came to save sinners He came to supply our every need and he came to help us when we had no strength and everything else. If we'll just look at ourselves without puffing up ourselves, we'll realize we're exactly where he wants us to be anyway. Don't be like Edom. Don't trust in yourself because it will never work. Because God can do things that look impossible. He can conquer a place that was unconquerable. And whatever it is in your life that you're trusting, he can take that away too. You're saying, Mike, there's no way. Yes, he can. He can take away every dollar you have. He can take away everything if he wants to, to get your attention. Why don't we just turn to him and trust in him? And if someone's fighting against you, pray for them. If you've got to need him in your life, pray for them. Say, Lord, help me to not take it out on them because you're going to judge them, but help them to turn before it's too late. Amen. You know someone deep in their pride and that pride's keeping them from Jesus Christ. Let's pray for them one more time. One more time. Let's stand. Let's stand.